One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not later. Who talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Crystal Fox reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired. And their time is up. So here's the Knights of Vader. Most impressive. A big thank you to an inferiority complex for providing our theme song. It is November 3rd, 2022. My name is Zach Weber, and joining me today is premier Canadian nonsense collector Chris. I am so excited to be here to talk about the adventures of Ulic Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, knock it off. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a moment. And we have Grand Admiral Zenger. I watched this. <laughs> <laughs> and we have, for I have become the destroyer of retail, Joyazo. Yeah. Yes, and I, I watched this too, and I will be giving Zinger a sticker for watching it. What kind of sticker? It's going to be a little cat <laughs> on a tree that says hang in there. <laughs> True. <laughs> Oh my god! It should be stated that like, did we? I guess Chris alluded to very passively, and the title didn't give it away. We didn't explicitly say it, but after all that negativity, I'm just gonna sit there, just dump fire on this, and say we're talking about Andor. If you ever wanted to watch The West Wing and The Wire combined with some Star Wars sprinkled, that's what we're talking about. Andor. You want to see one of the driest characters in a pulpy Star Wars film build? Some sort of contraption for two episodes with no payoff. I'm sorry. The third episode will have a payoff after, a, oh God, an hour and 15 minutes of buildup. We will have five minutes of climax. No, we, we are not talking about the, the Danish cookie of Star Wars right now, Andor. We're talking about actual Star Wars as in Tales of the Jedi. The six part, Chris is dying right now. Um, just how I've described all this. Like, Chris, like, imagine somebody just, oh God, like passing a kidney stone for a second. Like, that was like, that was sheer pain on someone's face. Um, but yes, Tales of the Jedi, six part mi- miniseries, shorts. I, I think, I, is there going to be more of this at some point, or is it just contingent on the reaction? It's called Star Wars Visions, but watchable by Zach because it's not animated. What the? <laughs> Put all my cards on the table right now. This was absolutely great. I want more of it. Um, Andor's fine. Um, I've been sitting on this for a while. I didn't get to partake in the last Andor discussion. Joe's heard me talk about this in real life. The best way to describe Andor is Andor is ordering a steak at the Rainforest Cafe. Uh, There's nothing wrong with ordering a steak at the Rainforest Cafe. It's just uh, if I'm going to go there once every three years, I don't want to order a steak. I want like a gonzo meal that might not be the greatest, but I had a lot of fun eating it. And that is my clunky food analogy. Going back to a uh, Zenger can tell you an early Knights of Vader trope of uh, comparing things to food dishes. Yeah. 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 Actually. Okay. Zach. Cobwebs. And or maybe a steak at the Rainforest Cafe, but the book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan are like, 
are like whatever and you end up getting from a inebriated Dunkin Donuts employee. No, 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 no. That's fine. You, you can I, I will not defend Kenobi. Kenobi is is a mess. Book of Boba Fett, I was rewatching some of that lately. And you know what? It's fun watching Black Kersantan take like a million blaster shots to like the face. He just keeps running. <laughs> like, like, no, Book of Boba Fett has its merits as in it's just kind of so clunky and stupid. It's amazing. Kenobi is the sci-fi channel equivalent of Star Wars, and everyone involved should be ashamed of it. Especially Deborah Chow. So the food analogy. So yes, the I food agree. analogy. Um, I'd say uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett are carnival food. You like it when you like the idea of it, you eat it, you just don't like what happens afterwards. Zanger, may I extrapolate one step further? It's the equivalent of seeing corn dogs at like Sam's Club and being like, I should buy an 85 pack of those. And then you bring them home and eat like two, and you're like, I don't like having diarrhea. <laughs> It's like it's like eating the tour of Italy at Olive Garden and you get to the chicken parm and it tastes like an eraser because it was microwaved. That's basically what it is. It's like it's very chewy. It's very chewy. And you find a hair. <laughs> at least that's what you hope it is. This this okay. I'm I'm glad we're all on the same page as to that Kenobi in retrospect is a la- a less than glowing Star Wars TV show. I'm glad it exists. We, we finally come to this realization. It's chewy chicken parm. Yeah. Ch- chewy looks like, good. Ah, ah, chewy or the bad chewy. <laughs> he probably cooked it. That's why there's a hair in it. I don't know. <laughs> Just one hair. That seems like more of a, a treasure than anything else. That's the one thing is if Chewie was working at the Olive Garden, would he have like a full body net or would <laughs> what would it be like? He has to wear a hazmat suit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Joe is dying right now from visualizing this. <laughs> he looks like a turkey that you pick up at the frozen food section of a store in the net. <laughs> Oh god, we're gonna we're gonna watch a co-host <laughs> die on this recording tonight. Apparently, I'm oh getting a visual image in my <laughs> mind. I can't drink it. <laughs> I, I thought I was gonna say I'm getting visual hallucinations right now. Help! <laughs> oh man! All right, Chris. Well, well, well. Z- Joe and Zenger <laughs> walk this off. Chris, what did you think of Tales of the Jedi Andor? Uh, Andor. Ah! Tales of the Jedi colon Andor. Yeah, um, there's only six of them. They're like 15 minutes long each. Shall we not just go through Tales of the Jedi in order? That's fine. All right. So Tales of the Jedi, uh, chapter one, Ahsoka, the false god. I fundamentally disagree with this <laughs> this first episode of Tales of the Jedi. Um, what, what I was what I was thinking about when I was watching this episode was that poster for that that dumb justice league movie that i've never seen where superman's like spray painted over and it says false god like that's what i was imagining but ahsoka the whole time i was watching this episode <laughs> it's like babe like she like she's literally the most powerful jedi ever she just doesn't get eaten by animals as a baby for some reason it's like there's a saber-toothed tiger carrying her around somehow she got up on top uh, of uh, it. hold on space saber-toothed tiger come on just like the space dog in a later episode but yes, yes. But basically, like this episode has the least to offer by far. Um, you no, know, it has the. What are you talking about? It shows that their species can get way old. 
So there is plenty of time we can utilize out of her <laughs> lifespan that is untapped. She should have been dead a long time ago before Order 66. Controversial but... statement. <laughs> this what is... Zenger's trying to say is that we can do Ultron Ahsoka in 70 years when Rosario Dawson dies. But he's trying to say is this character will also live forever thanks to technology. Yeah, because they've shown that they just get really old. Or maybe that's her from the future. I, I don't know anymore. Oh, you just blew my mind. I did. <laughs> Maybe all of them are just Ahsoka. From the future. From different, they're like the multiversal of Ahsoka. And it's like. <laughs> Chris is not pleased. It's Ahsoka and it's Ahsoka. <laughs> it's just boom. Ashoka. Wow. The co- the common typo misnomer on the internet. Ashoka. It's Ahsokai. <laughs> that's that's our species. The one, the one good thing about this episode is that. Um, it's only 15 minutes. <laughs> there's Is that the. The. The, the general idea of acknowledging the fact that, like, you have to actually take life to exist, which is something that little babies don't like to think about when they buy their meat at the supermarket. That is a good concept. <laughs> that is a good concept to include in this. But I don't think a one or two year old baby is internalizing a lot of the meaning that's supposed to be happening when when mom takes her on a hunt for the first time. So I don't you know. It's there's a, there's a lot there's a lot going on here that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And also that rifle is clearly a single shot, but she starts like unloading it like automatic, which is just like like animators not knowing what kind of space guns they're looking at. Because this is basically like a Tuscan Raider rifle. That How dare mom. they they mess up that made up guns ability to fire? How dare they? Anyways. You look at that thing and it like has an 1800s like musket chamber like it. It shouldn't be able to fire more than once. This is him. almost as bad as that one time on The Simpsons where they cock a double barreled shotgun. It happens all the time. Yeah, it, it's just as bad as that, and it's all done for the for the intern the 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 teaching benefit of like a was she one or two? I don't know how old she's supposed. One. They set up, yeah, one. she's one, so she's literally one. retaining none of this, but it has Jedi powers. Yeah, and so. So how do we, how do we rank levitation as a Jedi ability? Like, is that like, like what class of Jedi is able to levitate themselves? Because like we have a one year old baby doing it, and she doesn't seem to employ that skill much in the Clone Wars when it might have come in handy. I just you know I fundamentally object to this episode. I really like the rest of Tales of the Jedi, and I'm and I'm happy to talk about that. But this one, um, I you know I um, my brother asked me if this was any good and if you should watch it. I've wholeheartedly told him just skip the first one she is for that first episode like space jesus like they they are positioning her to be that character i'm surprised they didn't put it out closer to christmas then <laughs> no that's <laughs> that would could have been star wars nativity right there boom there you go that's the holiday special this year even how the episode begins like the whole idea like it's like the little like oh god town and it's like again nativity really is the correct way because like it's a girl it's a girl like it's like someone's going around to like all the fellow townspeople yeah like i said there was a weird religion i don't want to say religious but just very birth of christ element um to this that i did not expect when this when all like the episode descriptions leaked i think during the summer and they're like oh we're gonna see like ahsoka discovering her jedi powers I always figured it was going to be her being like taken by Plo Koon because like I know Cowboy Hat Man is like, oh, God, that's been alluded to so much that Plo Koon's the one who like took her. Mm-hmm. I thought that's what we were going to get. 
So I was a little surprised that they went so firmly into like, oh, Ahsoka's always had these powers and she's always been this divine being in a way. But like the same can also be said for like Big Whiskey during like the second episode of The Mandalorian where he saves um, the not Boba Fett from the, the Mudhorn. Big Whiskey is 50 years old. But what? Okay, but Yoda's lived to like be a thousand. So that's like what? Five years old? Okay, he's also a Yoda. That and clearly it doesn't mean anything based on what the fourth episode in this. Yaddle can barely hold the door open. Zenger could probably bench press more than her. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> that I'll lift anything. That door, if you go by Lucas Cannon, that door is a difficult lift. If you go by Disney Cannon, yeah, she should have been able to do that easily. <laughs> if we go by Star Killer Cannon, which I measure my lifting by, I'm unstoppable zinger how many star uh, how many star destroyers can you uh lift how many can i pull into atmosphere all of them oh boy oh god <laughs> so all right zinger what do you think of this first episode it exists it sets up it set there's a oh god it's like poetry it rhymes uh there's a flow to this and i feel like for some reason i had to start with reminding us all ahsoka exists for a second I don't know why, because I think that Dooku stuff, I, sorry, I'm going to jump ahead real quick. I think that Dooku, like if we're talking about heavy lifting here, like his stuff was made me love that character retroactively a lot more. I just was like, is, is there some contractual thing that Dave Filoni has, sorry, Cowboy Hatman has to do stuff with Ahsoka and anyone else that does stuff with Ahsoka, he must retroactively correct to his version of what should have been done with ahsoka i'll yes. get to it because i apparently pointlessly read a book sorry pointlessly listened to an audiobook and no i'm not gonna yell at zach for making me listen to the um aftermath quadigy crap Okay, you're referencing a much later chapter, uh, a chapter of Tales of the Jedi, where apparently some nerds are mad that it contradicted the Ahsoka novel. And if you know anything about that, you should probably definitely enlighten us when it gets to that point. But I did not. Got to try to remember, by the way. So I'm not like acting like I'm super. They, you know, when we get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil those details. But yeah, I mean, first episode, whatever, 15 minutes of my life. I. What was I doing? Was I doing other... Was I 100% focused on it? Wow. I call shenanigans on that. I know. That's what I'm amazed by because I'm watching the Eagles versus the Texans right now in the background. So, I mean... At least you're not playing a video game. All right, Joe, what'd you think? Well, I like the way that they set it up because everything is based off of the, the period of time that it's in. If you sit there and you look at it, this one sets up because this is the first thing that happened in this story arc. So, and then everything else is at a later date. So I do like that. It was showcased. This is probably one of the first Disney plus shows where it really wasn't on sand when it first started. Whoa. I'm really happy about that. It was a little bit more, you know, tree, a little bit more nature oriented. It was nice. Um, This is the the full court press to sit there and get everyone all jazzed up about Ahsoka. She's going to get her whole new show. It looks like they're going to be centering everything off of her coming up now. It's going to be Ahsoka-centric. I can't wait for her to meet the Bad Batch 
and have that crossover. Oh yeah, well that's that's gonna happen. It probably in her show. It's more Morrison in like six people's. She's he's even gonna be uh, what's his face? He's gonna be Ahsoka. Omega too. He's gonna be Omega. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You imagine that he wears a. Oh, I'm here to help you. <laughs> Get ready. A little bow and arrow. That's right. Wouldn't it be Daniel Logan in drag? Wouldn't that be the correct way to do do? No, no because oh. I, no, because by the time Boba Fett is uh, like thirty, he already looks like sixty-year-old Tamir Morrison. That's what the oh book of Boba God. Fett taught us. Yeah, yeah. Because he could have used Daniel Logan, but <laughs> Tamir Morrison that said, "Hey, I need to get paid." I'm going to be Aquaman's dad for a very yeah, long time. Like, unless you, uh, came no, in. like literally the second he crawled out of the Sarlacc pit, he was already 60 year old Tamir Morrison. That was great. And okay. 50 pounds heavier, <laughs> which means he got some nutrition from that stormtrooper. No. Yeah. It, the, the Sarlacc feeds you. It, it digests you by feeding you so that the Sarlacc will get a better meal out of you. Like it bastes you. I, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It brines you. It's getting ready to over a thousand years. Money. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. So be, this is a uh, chuckle heavy. Brine you over a thousand years. <laughs> it it likes right. its food salty. <laughs> like a dill pickle. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, okay, okay. What is happening tonight? <laughs> okay, let's get it back on the rails here. So, um, just to recap, Ahsoka's supposed to be dead. Um, they didn't want to kill her. They didn't they didn't want to kill her, so they had her they had her get exiled from the Jedi Order. But then they decided that they didn't want her to disappear after that, so they brought her back. And then they're like, Man, maybe Vader can kill her in Rebels, but they chickened out on that again too. And it all comes down to the fact that she was just, you know, like playing she was playing. She was too busy playing World of Warcraft during the original trilogy to easily defeat Vader in the Empire, and she let Luke have the fate of the galaxy on his shoulders when she was clearly the superior Jedi, and therefore she's a terrible person and shouldn't. She's exist. not a Jedi. Yeah, great. So that means she sits the fight out. Worst character ever. Now, but she was good until her getting kicked out of the Order in the Clone Wars. That was interesting. Shouldn't exist. She exists because Dave Filoni and because fans who can't rationalize cannon in their head to like save their lives anyways he's doing that alienating the fans thing again or no no disenfranchise he's disenfranchising the fans again yes that that was another knights of vader uh, classic from many years ago disenfranchising the fans ahsoka was good she's not good anymore anyways so the second the second episode of tales of the jedi is called justice it's perfect yeah i mean this features our earliest uh, visual look at, at Dooku and his apprentice Qui-Gon Jinn on a on on a mission to investigate a kidnapped senator's son. And uh, Zach, do you want you want to get started on your thoughts on this one? Uh, I, I love the Hotel Transylvania planet. That was great. Um, everything kind of about like that's the thing. A lot of these aren't narratively deep, but there's a lot of ambiance and they're animated incredibly well. If it the were, music, the music too, absolutely. And if it weren't for the character designs being that like really like hard, sharp, plasticky design that Lucas insisted on, like two thousand five, Thunderbirds, this would be almost like photorealistic. Like some of the backgrounds, like you don't believe you're looking at animation. That's how photoreal it is. 
Um, no, it's I, I think of all three of the Dooku segments, this is just the I don't want to say weakest, just because the other two are just so strong and stand upon themselves. But no, like do I love Dooku's design in all three of these. I I, I kind of don't know what happens to him in that ten year span between the events of the third episode or the the fourth episode and Attack of the Clones, where he gets like a pitch white like beard and hair. I don't know what Palpatine's doing to him. It's just Palpatine just lording over him for that entire time. It just makes him nervous. It's just Palpatine like dumping bleach on his facial hair, being like, "Nope, nope, gotta get all the gray out." Him in the face. You ever seen that that part of Evil Dead Two where Ash gets really scared and his hair instantly turns white? Yeah, yeah, that's what living with Palpatine does to you. Yeah, so you're telling me that would happen to Anakin eventually in Darth Maul. Yeah, if they had hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only one with hair, white hair. Prove me wrong. It the the burden of proof is on you, Zach. What you're saying should have happened is that in the original cut of Return of the Jedi, instead of Lucas erasing Vader's eyebrows, he should have just sure uh, turned white. white. Then we really would have known yeah. it was legit. Yeah. But no, the uh, no, the whole thing of just the confrontation, what, seeing how aggressive Dooku is throughout both encounters with some official, uh, oh god, senator, and then guards. No, it, it's interesting. It adds a layer of depth to Dooku that we really were never aware of. Again, in the Clone Wars, he's just this weird just figurehead of the Separatist. Of course, he engages Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ventress, all of them. But he's more just kind of this, oh God, gar- oh God, uh, skilled swordsman that's a figurehead. There really isn't any sort of character depth to him in the Clone Wars. He's a mini-boss. Yeah, pretty much. He, 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 again, he's, he's what the bow, he's Bowser Zenger of the Clone Wars. Like he's kind of this like end boss. They never really get to in any sort of meaningful way. Well, you gotta have it be, I, I guess he is Bowser in the sense of like you, but someone else is actually behind it in the end. Well, yeah, but like think, but again, oh God, we, we never get that moment though for like our heroes to realize that there's someone greater to Dooku than him. Because because yeah. that's one thing I have to say about the three Dooku segments is that it does a rather interesting job of both fleshing out yet also being somewhat closeted as to what happens between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. It's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of all over the place to the point where you 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 don't know when everything is taking place. Like it, like there, there's obviously a lot of issues with this show when it comes to continuity because. We'll get to it in a moment in the latter Ahsoka episodes where continuity just goes blatantly flying out the window based on one character's haircut. And oh, you caught it. Oh, of course. How could you not? It was in the trailers and it drove me nuts. I was hoping it was some, <laughs> some like flashback, but the, the point being, he, 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 it, it was a wig. We, we, we have to hope. He was in disguise. It was a helmet. <laughs> he was in disguise around people he already knew. Ah. But no, like again, there's a lot of that. That's what I like so much about this is that it's Star Wars, but it almost feels like, like, like it's it's weird to think of Star Wars now in the lens that we talked about a little bit with the Yoda's lightsaber thing back during the Book of Boba Fett, and I know Chris was very angry about like what was it, Charles Soul, who's like stupid nerd, stop like nitpicking uh called the continuity, just enjoy it for what it is, and and this feels like almost like a recollection of events that occurred as opposed to like reading a history textbook or a firsthand 
documentation of events that transpired. There, there's a lot of this that just there's almost like a dreamlike feel to a lot of it. Even the even rewatching the Qui Gon Yaddle and Dooku moments, there's something so peculiar about it. Just how they interact with each other. I will say that it's great that they got Liam Neeson to do Qui Gon's voice, but like it, this is clearly old man Liam Neeson. Not like 1996 Liam Neeson. Like, not to say that I'm an advocate of Ultroning living actors, but like, like just hire a voice actor. Like, give a voice actor that can throw their voice to work, and just you don't need to hire Liam Neeson if he can't try to make his voice sound like what it did 20 years ago. Listen, listen, he sounded more like Qui Gon than. The 1999 Phantom Menace and Obi-Wan video game quad. Okay, like, so that's fine. not even an apples to oranges comparison. That's a tech that's like the opposite of Ultron Luke Skywalker. That's not chap that's not the second episode, anyways. Oh, whatever. Fourth episode. Yeah, fourth. But no, I uh second episode is pretty straightforward. It's it's fun to see young Qui-Gon Jin look like kind of like an like off-brand shaggy that was kind of fun yeah. but no that's a I, I think the best part of the set the second episode is just the whole transylvania like setting and just watching that again very shallow on story but i think on just ambiance it's uh it hits the mark i yeah i thought it was like i think it's kind of weird but to say this but like the the allocated budget of Tales of the Jedi starts to like show itself in in certain ways. Like, there's considering these are six short chapters that have no, like, in terms of location, there's really not much uh, besides besides the Jedi Temple. There's really not much in common with between a lot of them, and you do see a lot of repeat assets throughout, like the Ishitib guy, the droid that has like little Walker legs, like this appears in like three or four of the six episodes just very conveniently. A lot of the same like sort of background character assets appear. And that's definitely the case starting out in this, um, this, this second one with the town. Um, you know, I just, if, and there's a lot of, uh, there's really not a lot of, um, camera movement. And I think that's because a lot of those sort of, especially wide establishing shot backgrounds are, I think they're just 2d art. And Zach, you're saying like how, how great some of the the wide shots looked and like i think they're the reason they put a bunch of time into it is because it's not actually like a 3d modeled asset most of the time because if you watch it back like especially the wide shots a lot of them they'll do like a pan or a tilt but they're not like moving in a way where you can tell that it's actually like a 3d rendered environment for the most part which it might like i feel like this is a lot of just the characters on like static backgrounds and it kind of shows if you're looking for it. Like, I think the best example is um, coming up in a in a couple episodes, and I'll bring it up then. But um, I think it just this one, the duration. If it, it, I just kind of made me feel like, why not just give it an extra ten minutes and make a Clone Wars episode? Because like this, they resolve this complex scenario so quickly, and I and I agree that it's probably the weakest of the three Dooku episodes. And I, you know, I don't believe for one minute that uh this um what's the senator's name does it matter uh, that is the yeah, senator's Sen- name. well it joe senator joe senator would not have learned this moral lesson in 48 seconds like i don't know man if you get choked to death enough you might learn a lot oh man this guy <laughs> his son gave him a stern talking to 
in the car. Yeah. You're not getting any dessert, Dad. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's just sitting there grumpy in the car while his son's like, oh, we're going to work on this whole situation. I'll tell you, when we get back to Coruscant, I'm, I'm going to be on his case. We're going to we're going to totally turn around the economic state of this planet. <laughs> no more paps. Blue ribbon. <laughs> and, and can you imagine the amount of like no wonder like Dooku gets this reputation. Can you imagine the amount of paperwork that needed to be filed after a senator first opened fire on two Jedi and then the Jedi attacked him and attacked his guards? Like, oh my God, what a situation this must have been by the time they got back to the Jedi Council. You know, it's like no wonder. Yeah, obviously, they didn't care enough. Well, it's okay because Mace Windu did the paperwork for him. No, no, that's in the next one. Right. It's in the next one. Yeah, and if you watch carefully during the firefight at the barn where the kid is being held, I believe the only casualty is one Rodian. <laughs> Good. Oh, that was out loud. <laughs> it's interesting. You see this uh, tw- Twi'lek lady get shot right in the chest, but she's clearly still alive. But this Rodian gets in the this Rodian's in the barn, and he gets shot, and he falls off like the top level of the barn, and he's he's dead. But uh, R.I.P. Yeah, but I mean, it's like you know, it's this, it's the thing. It's like the reason the this the Clone Wars were fought by droids and clones with helmets on, and the reason that in Episode Nine you can put a severed alien head on the on the center of a boardroom meeting because aliens are okay to kill. Mm-hmm. Poor Bulio. Hate to see it. Does anybody know what character I'm referencing when I say that? Mark Hamill. Wait, what'd you say? You guys, our Lord and Savior, the Rise of Skywalker. That's Bulio. He's the one gives them. He's the one gives them the message from Hux. Yeah, and he's dead. Exactly, gets decapitated. What can we do to thank you? Win the war. It's Mark Hamill. (laughs) The only person that knows it. Yeah, I knew it, but it's terrible. So what do you know? No, no, that's blasphemy. Get out of here. Um, but I, so you're Chris, what you're saying is that Dooku pretty much gets like, oh God, like blacklisted from the Jedi because he's like a bureaucratic, like pitfall. Like every time you take this guy on a mission, he's going to do something. He's going to do something against the rules. That's just going to like involve this, like a tower of paperwork at the end of the mission. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it, because it gives everything a point. Dooku has a point like it makes his character interesting he wasn't just some flacky of um well, i mean he was a flacky of palpatine in the end but he was he was somebody that had his own goals in mind and everything like but okay before this can any of you point to why dooku was bad well he was obsessed he- with power because he wanted his something happened with his brother and he went back to his uh to Dooku land and became the count. Really? Ah uh, ah. Uh, uh. No, serious. That's that's what backstory I read. Okay. Is that legend? I was hmm? <sighs> Well, okay. Yes and no on that. Because I will say that like after watching these, I did pick up Dooku Jedi Lost. I'm about oh. a fifth of the way through it. See Zanger, this is what a book looks like. You can't listen to it. Um, <clears throat> you can read it to me. Does it have pictures? It, it does not have pictures. It has a cover. It, it can also be used as a doorstop once I'm done with it, or a coaster. He didn't say no to reading it to me, so I know what I'm going to be doing later. That's <laughs> recording an audiobook for <laughs> No, 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 no. He calls me and he, and he reads it to me as I go to sleep every night. 
it's important to point out that when that first came out, it was only available in audio form, Zinger, and that is the superior version. That he is right. It, it is actually this isn't a book. It's the like script of like the radio drama. Whoa, radio drama. Yeah, nice. I know. It's audio drama because I guess it wasn't. It's good. Do they have sound effects in the audio drama? Lots. Nice. If if they do it like they do the other ones on Audible or any of the audiobooks from Star Wars, yes, they're more expensive, but they normally have sa- like actual Star Wars sound effects, Star Wars transition sounds, like everything. So yeah, it's worth it. We should make one. Yeah. This is the Dooku Jedi Lost is really the content companion piece to Tales of the Jedi, like if anything is. And um, I'm, I'm glad Zach's finally checking it out. No, 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 no. The content companion piece is Ahsoka because it's pointless apparently now to read it. Dave Filoni didn't write it. True from a certain point of view. Ooh. All right, Joe, any thoughts on uh, episode two? I thought he gave structure to why he became disillusioned with the Jedi to begin with was that one that was the first real reason I thought when watching it that was the reason why he started to get a d- disillusioned by the Hold Jedi. on Joe you're saying the wrong word he became disenfranchised Thank you Okay <laughs> God I'm turning into Zach <laughs> The circle's now complete But that's that's what that's what leads him down that path that the Jedi can't be trusted this that the other thing and then I have more to go on in other episodes. How we, old is Dooku? Uh, like, by the time of Attack of the Clones, how old is he supposed to be? Old enough to party. I think that, I think that, uh, <laughs> real life Dooku was about 80, but I think canonical Dooku is probably more like 70 because that would sort of fit a little closer. Well, because, like, you look at, okay, when you get here. to episode four, like, him and Qui Gon look the same age. Well, you know, he, was, yeah. he spent some time on Geonosis, so you know, it's just, if and it's anything like uh, Tatooine, you know, oh. ages you, ages you, ages you horribly. You know, it could be the radiation from the two suns, could be all of that uh, waste from the bug people. So there's there's a lot of things that could happen to you. I like that waste from the bug people. I'm trying to be very serious about that. <laughs> now, now, they're Geonosians, about- Joe. They have feelings. They're people. <laughs> Well, but I mean, they can email me if they have a problem with what I said. They live underground. They know that sunlight's bad, man. <laughs> See, they, they could post on Space Twitter, owned by Space Jeff Bezos. <laughs> All right. Well, the, yeah, episode three is called Choices. It's another hilarious Dooku adventure, but this time he's joined by none other than Mace Windu. And they once Not again. Voiced. Yeah. He wasn't up for it this time. It wasn't the clone. It didn't have the prestige of the Clone Wars movie. So Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> was not interested. But, uh, but uh, you know, this time uh, it's yet another uh, senator uh, just being a is. typical goofball and, like, neglecting his responsibilities. And uh, basically um, a Jedi who I actually don't know, Master Katri. I don't know if we if she's ex- previous in canon. She kind of looks like Luminara. Yep. I don't, yep. <laughs> I don't know if... I don't know if she has done anything else, uh, but uh, much like Luminara, she uh, had a horrible end and had to be carried away in a coffin. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, so you know, they Luminara, uh, Luminara, um, pre, uh, precursor Master Katri was killed on this planet, and uh, Mace and Dooku go to investigate. And uh, you know, we got a, 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 the, uh, this is Raxus two, I think, which is fun it- because. 
sounded like so- like I heard it and I stopped for a second because I'm like, did I just accidentally play Dune? Yeah. Instead, because I'm like, wow, this is a cleverly created name for something. Well, you know, and it's like watching Dune. But but you know, but basically, to quickly <laughs> summarize, we find out that uh, the you know the um the senator the senator's guard killed uh Master Catri because I don't know if they were trying to like it's a little convoluted to me. I don't know if they they were somehow trying to execute a coup of some kind. I think because they were dissatisfied with the senator's. Uh, service to the planet much like in the second episode and um master catchy was caught in the crossfire and uh you know they say uh the senator ends up dying in in a firefight here and luckily you know he didn't get away like like the one in episode two here but uh it's interesting they say that the the senator's guard says that you know he was squandering our resources he was selling off parts of our planet to corporate interests. And it's funny because they, they call it Raxus too. And you know, everybody knows that Raxus prime is the garbage planet from, uh, the clone wars game and from, uh, fall, uh, force unleashed, not fallen order. So it's funny because it's, yeah, because it's like you th- you realize that this guy is the reason there's a whole bunch of garbage on Raxus prime. Cause he sold it off and it became the garbage dump of the galaxy. <laughs> Huzzah. Am I crazy? Like this must be uh, what's going on here, right? It's funny because they call it Raxus s- second or second us or something re- instead of just two. But uh, it's fun. It's I don't know. It's it it can't be a coincidence that they point out that he's selling off parts of the the system, and uh, you see this uh, hilarious garbage planet in the Clone Wars. So is you know it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, it's definitely better than the first Dooku episode and it has a little more going on narratively. What did you uh, think of Mace and Dooku's adventures? Um, once again, building on the whole premise of Dooku is way more interesting because they're actually giving us a reason to why he's, um, disenfranchised. Well, yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dis- disenfranchised. disenfranchised. With um with the Jedi and with the Republic and everything. It's it's like I said, it's something to where it made me go, Hey, he has a point. This is interesting. So I I just it's one of those things. It really re- it's something that retroactively makes Dooku more interesting in everything he's in because now we know his motives and why he's doing it. So that's cool and everything. Also, this is the only episode not written by Dave Filoni. So just throwing that out there, kind of a random one too for him not to have written. And of course he gets passed up for the council membership in favor of Windu, even though I'm like, I don't think he was ever interested in that, but at the same time, it's, I think the whole, like he wanted to be asked, I guess. I don't know. It it was, it was one of those things where it was the, the the lightsaber fight, and it's like, why do people take on Jedi? Seriously, anyways. Well, it made it made me think of how silly Mace Windu is because, like, he first of all, you just he's just unlikable from the beginning. Like, he's just like he verbally warns Dooku that he's going to tattle on him to the Jedi Council, and he's like always like being like, oh, I don't know, the rule book says this and that. We should, probably shouldn't be getting involved in this. And then you know, it reminded me of um like mace literally sees him uh 
like cause this negligent firefight that results in the senator's death and like just demonstrate like just general um aggravated behavior and like callous disregard for the human life and then in episode two mace is like you know he was once a jedi like he's definitely not capable of assassinating anyone like he's not he's not he's not a loose cannon or anything i filed the paperwork um, it it shows that he didn't do any of that yeah yeah he's well he said he'd put in a good word for him but and uh, this made mace a little bit unlikable but um it was it was cool to see the dynamics of another uh planet where the the, the a senator was just going rogue and basically causing general distaste for the republic and the jedi although the general populace didn't really have anything to do with order 66 also i still want to point this out really cool designs on the guards and everything like it was something i mean the, the ones from, from transylvania or whatever but these guys had like really cool design to them like they're 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 the glove things had like the had like the claw look i don't know it just it was something to where I'm like, it's not just more human. It's something that looked a little different and had a nice design to it. And also, of course, you know, Dooku at the end becoming very interested in like what caused him to do to to to, to start to go this way and like what did he think? Like, like I said, it's setting it's a good set up for why someone becomes evil instead of just they're evil because we tell you they're evil. It's it's so. interesting that two two episodes in a row it's just some senator like like just being a dink and like causing I want to see the stories that don't involve senators being dinks. I'm pretty sure there's only a few in existence. But the one thing with right. it though that that whole episode showed how he was how Anakin was treated is the same way that Dooku was basically treated. Yes. And how it led him down to to that path like poetry and how the Jedi Jedi were more bureaucratic than anything else. They were, uh, from my point of view, the Jedi are bureaucrats. Yeah. You know, it's, I thought, I thought it was a good story to be told. It did do a lot for me to move Dooku in a better place. As far as a person gives motivation behind what he did, how he did it. But, you know, it was, it, it was almost a re- it was a change to what we originally said. I remember when episode two came out and I was reading the spoilers on it online and, you know, they're trying to do the backstory of Dooku and what he was doing and why he was a Jedi, but then he was not a Jedi and he went back home because something happened with his brother and he became in charge of the planet and this, that, and the other thing. He was part of leadership, but this one really doesn't doesn't really give you that much in the backstory of what happened when he was a Jedi. Yes. So for, for part three, looking at it with the whole thing of uh, Mace Windex and Count Doku, uh. again, just looking into another uh, senatorial malfeasance case. Again, it the storylines for all of these were, I don't want to say bare bones, but I think it goes back to just the, the mood, the theme, and just watching the decline of a promising Jedi Knight. If, if anything, the biggest detriment I could find in the Dooku arc is I wish we could have seen Dooku any more idealistic time as opposed to just seeing him kind of being worn down. It feels like the first and second Dooku segments are 
retreading a lot of the same ground. It is fun to see Dooku with his lightsaber. I was telling Joe as soon as I watched these, I really ate up the blue Dooku lightsaber, even though that's a design that's been around for a while now. We knew what his lightsaber looked like. It is really fun to see that. that cur- I have a new appreciation for the curved hilt. Considering that I've been aware of that, I can still remember when that, like, seeing the lightsaber on the Walmart, st- like, toy store shelf in April 2002 and being like, ooh, they come curved now. I, I again, deeper appreciation for that lightsaber. No, I've, oh, God, 20 years as a Star Wars fan. No, it's um even watching the, uh, the more engaging response that Mace Windu and Doku have. Uh, against the senator guards and the all the droids that ambush them that was a lot of fun it's it it's a very pulpy moment that reminded me of 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 star wars that we really haven't gotten in a while it reminded me of like uh, the phantom menace like watching the uh the, the opening of that with the droid control ship and the trade federation it's there's a certain oh god I have to say the Dooku segments gave me that like 19, like two, 1999 to like 2002 era, like star Wars vibe. Like once the 2003 clone war started star Wars, you could tell was metamorphizing into something that it would go on to kind of be for the God, roughly the next decade. And there was something so kind of just, how would I even describe it? It's, it's it's grandiose yet very quaint at the same time and i know that's that's a contradiction it it has that phantom menace feeling of like oh you know there's stuff out in the distance but it's it's superficial at the same time and that it's again i'm having a hard time characterizing it because it's something i've really not felt from star wars in a long while there's like a quaint hokiness to it but in a very endearing way I just love the times before there were any clones or any stormtroopers. That too. That too. I I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head and I didn't really um elaborate on it correctly. Yes. There is that there's not this epic war happening which has been the focal point of Star Wars now for 20 years. Well, 45, you know. Well, okay, <laughs> Clone Wars. Clone Wars. I meant like yeah, but I mean, you know, like Lucas made a movie but where there was no clones or stormtroopers. Disney was not intellectually capable of that task. Say what you will about the original trilogy. The the prequels, just from the ending of Attack of the Clones and the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, is more grandiose than anything we ever got in, from the original trilogy. Like the Battle of Hoth is great. There's a lot happening during the, during the Battle of Hoth. It, it's for a land battle. The Battle of Geonosis, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. Not saying one's objectively better than the other. It's just there's a lot happening in one versus the other. Fair enough, but but when the Adat specifically shoots at the one real guy who's running away and like blows him up horribly, like oh, that's great. I never felt more for a clone. I must admit, but but uh, no, I see I see what you're saying. But uh, you know, I just like. A, a lot of this is just like, pr- like, pr- what do you want to say? Twenty. I think maybe the f- the first Dooku episode might be twenty years before episode one, and then you get right up to episode one, and it's it's a uh, it's just an interesting time period to like see uh, the Je- the Jedi in their complacent, lazy mode that ended up 
resulting in uh, in Qui Gon's death and their eventual downfall. It is. I like. I like. Uh, let's let's move a, a little bit over to Chapter Four here, where we finally get what we've all been waiting for for twenty years. Like some finally some information about what the heck is a Yaddle, and uh, <clears throat> you, you you get you, <laughs> you get to understand uh, like. This is something about Phantom Menace that always bothered me, and I'm glad they're sort of acknowledging it here. But, like, the lack of interest generally from the Jedi Council at the first possible Sith Lord in a thousand years or whatever it is, I just, like, they, you know, when you end up seeing what they throw at Geonosis, they could have thrown, like, two or three extra guys to, you know, to follow the Queen around after she was literally attacked by a Sith Lord. But, you know, they they are like, eh, it's probably not real. You know, we're just defending senators and, you know, making sure the money keeps rolling in. We're just chilling. So we don't really need to investigate that much. And, you know, this was a big oversight so much to the point that that uh, it actually caused someone who has probably been training Jedi for like, you know, three or four hundred years. At least. To quit the council. And die. <laughs> Spoiler. All right. Well, I mean, Zinger, like, how did what what did you think of Bryce Dallas Yaddle for a character we've never heard speak before? Right. Correct. Okay. Um, it was fine. It, it the voice kind of fit it once I got used to it. Like it's one of those I'm so used to hearing the backwards talking, but at the same time I'm like it. It was fine. It, it was it was interesting and it's cool that you know that these people keep on getting to work on star Wars that are already working on star Wars instead of maybe letting some new blood in there. Like, like the female host for Knights of Vader. Oh wait, we don't have one. Me doing a female impression. But Zinger's trying to say Deborah Chow of the great Yaddle. Do what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like I said, it, it works. I wasn't like violently angered by it. Now speak now on that note, uh, Chris, let us know your opinion. This is probably my favorite episode from from Tales of the Jedi, despite the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard voices Yaddle. Um, she she's she's really just trying her best to be an old lady. And I I, I heard somebody else say, like, you got Bryce Dallas Howard doing her best old lady voice. And that's you know, that's what it is. It's she, it, she doesn't ruin it, but it's a little bit distracting just because, like, she's kind of the worst. But, you know, I based that on hearing her comments during interviews saying things that are unfathomable. But, um, uh, but you know, I, don't, I didn't let that get to me. I think this is about as good as you could have handled the, I, the concept that is Yaddle. Because it's just one of those things where it's like, she basically needs to be dead. And, yeah, and at least they didn't let us down on uh, in that regard. Because you can't have a Yaddle floating out there. There's too many Ahsokas already. Who, that already makes no sense. So you need to, you know, there can't be that many Jedi, like, especially important, powerful ones, like, lying around there. And I like the fact that what always bothered me about the Phantom Menace bothered Yaddle so much that she literally left the Jedi Council because they couldn't get their act together to literally assign two or three extra people to investigate the Sith Lord. And then and then Qui-Gon died because of it. And it's interesting because this this um part four opens up with with uh Dooku erasing Camino from the Jedi archives. And I think it's 
I feel like it was already canon that it was him that did this. And it was already canon that it was him who was impersonating Sifo-Dyas to order the clone army in the first place. Wow, if only Detective Kenobi could have figured that out. Would have made an interesting movie. Or if they had security cameras in the in the Jedi Temple, or like, or if the or, or if a password to erase a planet from the archive was longer than three digits, like any, there could be a lot of things. You know, there's only so many three digit combinations. You know, literally nine hundred and ninety nine. And I mean, if you can erase a planet from the archives with three digits, like no, it's a thousand. You just have zero 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 zero. Wow. Okay, I've been I've been <laughs> defeated logically. Ha! Ah, I you know what? I got the perfect password now. <laughs> Three zeros. All right. Well, you'll never guess it. All spaces. I don't even know if it for sure was canon that Dooku did all that stuff before this. I, it was at least legends that he ordered the clone army. Um, but but you know, it it seemed a little bit easy erasing Camino from the archives. That's all I'm trying to say. And and this chapter is a little bit like the solo movie for Count Dooku. Like everything important that he ever did before episode two happens in this like four hour span of time. Like he erases <laughs> Camino from the archives. He, uh, he, 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 he uh, ties a conversation with Qui-Gon where uh, he references the fact that Qui-Gon's always praising Obi-Wan. So then he can say that to Obi-Wan later. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. Like, it's like any, you know, they're, they're mining the four minutes of Dooku screen time and attack of the clones for things they can inject into this episode. And they literally hit everything as far as I'm concerned. And it's, it's, they didn't hit that. Apparently him picking up the, when you told Kenobi, you'll, you're, you're wiser than me or whatever. That was in an earlier episode. All right. Yeah. He do uh, Qui-Gon parrots the same thing back to Obi-Wan. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. That was in the previous one with, with young Liam Neeson, uh, character model, clearly based on reference photos of Liam Neeson, who looked a little more photorealistic than some of the other characters. Like, and also, I, that, I don't think he was ever that young. Well, he looks up. I mean, he looks a little bit like dark man, Liam Neeson, <laughs> but, but, uh, you, you know, it, I think there's a big, uh, there's a lot of inconsistency in the character models in this show. Like some look really generic and some look like very stylized. I think if you, if you compare it directly to like the start of clone wars, like a lot of these look way better than anything in clone wars, but then you have beardless Dooku who kind of looks like Pinocchio or something. I don't know. But uh, when he should look like Geppetto, <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, uh, we've we've learned a lot, a few things through here that all Yodas must have a short green lightsaber, and um, boo you, on that. I would have liked to have seen like a random color. <laughs> yep, and well, you know, she's green, and therefore it's green. And uh, and uh, Dooku, if Dooku's gonna fight a Yoda, it has to be in a hangar at sunset. <laughs> Chris, were you disappointed when we saw Mace Windu's lightsaber and it wasn't blue? A little bit, just because the cover of Jedi Power Battles is burned into my mind. And, and, also, and the mailway figure, right? Yeah, yeah. The the one episode one figure that says Kenner on the front. Maybe the Stapp preview did as well, but that'd be the only two. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one who picked up on that. I'm like, why isn't the lightsaber blue? And I'm like, I guess that's not canon anymore, if, if it ever was. <laughs> yeah it never was at this point um but uh the i mean samuel jackson handpicked his own lightsaber hilt so you can't get much more canon than that it's that it's purple but um 
but you know, but getting getting back to four here, uh, the I didn't mind the duo with Yaddle. It's just the door, the thing with the hangar door really grinds my gears because it's like <laughs> I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, is she so clearly she wasn't underneath it? But if you watch, if you if you check the tape, she was underneath it and should be dead. But but she clearly got outside of it a little bit. In which case, she had already been eyeing where her ship was for an escape. So it's like you had your chance to run. So you expend all this energy to open the door just to fall over and be killed. No, she was in the groove of the door. Yeah, in the teeth. Like yeah. She was in between. There was a front and a back, and then the door slides in between the two. She was in between the two. So no matter what, she had to force the door back open to get out to her shuttle. But instead, she tumbled forward. Fine. Obviously, you're not paying attention to the pointless details that me and Zach were. You were too busy eyeing toys. It felt a bit needlessly dramatic to me, but whatever. It's a neat... It's a neat little beat. Like, you guys, it's funny. Like, we all have laughed at Yaddle for years. And I've said numerous times on this podcast that one of my favorite anecdotes is the cowboy hat Lucas exchange of, can you tell me more about Yaddle? I don't want to talk about Yaddle. That's, <laughs> that, that's in the fact that we got the, oh God, the ceiling of Dooku's fate as, a, as an evil character comes via Yaddle. And there's really nothing clunky or. Oh God, just embarrassing about it. You got it. Like they took one of the goofiest characters of all time, Yoda with like a ponytail wig and they made her a, not a laughing stock. And you got to give credit where credit is due. And again, the bar is set really low, but at the same time, they, they stuck the landing for all intents and purposes. So I'm like, Yaddle, like I said, like, it's like, okay, like it was neat to see Yaddle. Um, Ron Howard's daughter was fine. She, she, she sold me like Zenger said, like at first it's a little bit jarring, but then as you're listening, it's, it feels like a real character. At no point was I taken out and I'm like, Ugh, this is not what Yaddle would sound like. But the ultimate Canadian in the coal mine, Joe Yazzo, your thoughts. I was very surprised that she had that much hair and it stayed perfectly still. I want to know what product she had in that hair, um, especially after getting trounced by the door. All Clone Wars characters' hair is made of a solid block of wood, much like, uh, <laughs> yeah, much much like their uh, their their uh, artistic uh, uh, inspiration, the uh, Thunderbirds. But continue. But it was it was amazing. Um, but needs to stay. It was it was a great that you sit there and you see. Qui-Gon Jinn and then afterwards where he's after he uh he died they you see Dooku at the tree contemplating everything and it was it was good it was nice um seemed a little forced when they were when he went into the hangar it was reminiscent of uh episode two very reminiscent. You mean like almost shot for shot to like the yeah. ending of Attack of the Clones. It's just even how the ship flies through like a desolate wasteland. It's yeah. it's like there are certain points where I I'm like, did they just take like some footage and just put like a little bit of like cartoon like Vaseline on the lens? Like I was like, oh my god! Like it was almost indistinguishable from the ending of Attack of the Clones, which I don't know is a compliment for this show or a knock against the it's visual not. Attack, of Attack of the Clones. And it's the same as the dark side ending of Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2, but never mind that. That doesn't count anymore. 
if 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 Mace Windu's blue lightsaber is no longer canon, that definitely isn't. It's a crazy similar scene. Look it up. But any, anyways, yeah, no, like, I don't know. You guys, so, like, look at that. There's a Yaddle-focused episode, and Joe Yazo is not alienated. No. Disenfranchised. I'm not disenfranchised yet. And also, this featured Ian McDermott, Chris's favorite person that he doesn't get yeah. to talk to. I will say, like, there were some fun moments in that exchange where, obviously, oh, God, Dooku is, is oh, God, I don't want to say questioning Sidious, but it's like uh, he's just inquiring about the whole thing. And he's like, you lost an apprentice. I lost an apprentice. Get over it. Yeah. And I'm like, you never you never think of it that way. Like, that's something I have to say as a Star Wars fan. I never thought what kind of conversation did Dooku and Sidious have over that? They're like, That must have been a weird moment for them. The whole fact that clearly Dooku was part of this web and yet Maul was floating around as the more pronounced apprentice of the two. And I know obviously Maul became very resentful of Dooku during the Clone Wars, but it, it's, it was, it's interesting. Like that's what I mean about the Dooku arc. That's so fascinating as a star Wars fan is that we're so used to this elaborate grandiose nature of the Clone Wars. And this felt just as grandiose, but not in like Chris, how you said white bucket helmet people way. Well, that's it. the one thing with it though, is it, still parallels Anakin. Oh, yeah. Anakin's big thing was when he sliced Mace Windu's arm off and the Emperor threw him out the window. You know, this Whee! is the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing where he sits there and fricassees little uh, Yaddle. Um, How does know, Yaddle die? Does she get decapitated? Or is he just he like... Pokes he her. just runs it through her. No, he pokes her with it. Like, just, it's hard to tell. He just kind of pokes at her. Yeah, it's hard to tell at 40 feet away with like a GoPro lens. <laughs> Fair enough. What was Yaddle's game plan? Was it to sit there like observe all this and just like, like, wouldn't you leave a note? Wouldn't you leave a post-it note like like in like the the the, the company fridge or something being like, hey, went, went to like the wastelands. Like wouldn't anybody wonder where Yaddle went? No one did. That's the thing that gets me is I guess that's the next tales. All these missing Jedi. Think about Qui Gon dies. Like I think about like it's it's Qui Gon's funeral. And someone's like, oh God, we left Yaddle at home. <laughs> and we, left, like, we left the Yaddle on. The nice thing is that she conveniently quit the council the same day. So like she could have just been like, yeah, you know, I'm out of here to the to the country. And like they, they didn't. They looked for her for like three or four years but then eventually gave up you know because you don't you know you don't see like you don't hear but, it, but it's 10 years later like the attack movie. of the clones like a deleted scene like there's only been like 12 lost jedi and the idea of yaddle just disappearing wouldn't that be like i, I get it dooku erased a planet from their library i i know exactly what happened no exact i got this covered he wrote a note on the body went I'm done with this and threw the body in the council chamber and ran off. It was that simple. And, and the Jedi came in and went, obviously, <laughs> obviously we all can figure out what happened here. Or when you're 400 and you go missing, people don't ask a lot of questions. I guess the argument can be made as well. Like devil's advocate that we saw what happened to the previous Jedi master and that the Jedi really don't feel compelled to investigate the death of one of their own. It's like, well, this person died eh, and just like move along. Like they obviously are not very inquisitive. 
Well, you take a step out of all the other movies. What happens when a Jedi master fails? They go into exile, never uh-huh. be heard from again. So when she gave up her council seat, she said that she's no longer part of the council. Most of the things what would probably be happening is that Jedi would go into exile. And that's I guess that's also a Dooku essentially. Well, this is another part of the canon breaking of this because it is alluded to from what I've read that Dooku like leaves the order about te- I think oh god before the events of the Phantom Menace. So I know in some of the discourse around this show, it's apparently very peculiar that he's walk he he has such free access to the temple as he does. I think they they changed that up a bit too. I think he walked out the same time as Yaddle did in protest. I don't know. That's well that's a weird one because like I think it's again from what I was reading that I haven't gotten to this specific point yet, but like apparently in uh oh god, I think it's I know it's definitely in Dooku Jedi Lost and I want to say Master and Apprentice. Um it's explicitly stated that Dooku left the order before the events of the Phantom Menace. Sure. Well, again, neither here nor there, but just it's, it's another element of canon breaking. Dave Filoni didn't write that. Not canon. You know, he came, he came back that day just to erase Camino, but then Qui-Gon happened to die while he was there. What are you going to do? <laughs> How convenient. I hate it when that happens. All right. Anything else about uh, episode four? A Dooku hope? A I hate everything about this. <laughs> Dooku, a Star Wars story where everything important that ever happened to him occurs in 17 minutes. It's a good <laughs> Which one. is more screen time than he had in all of the other Star Wars. Not wrong. Combined. Except Alrighty. for the Bounty Hunter video game. Oh, yeah. That, that's a fun game um, with some <laughs> uh, interesting story nuggets. All right. Episode five. We basically get to watch the entire backstory to one 14 second long action sequence from the finale of the Clone Wars, which Did is you- a dumb scene because Ahsoka's moral objection to killing clones who are literally trying to kill her when there's thousands of them on Star Destroyer is silly. Um, it's a good thing Obi-Wan and Yoda didn't suffer from the inability to kill clones in order to get the job done, or they would have never put out the distress beacon at the Jedi Temple, saving dozens of Jedi lives. All right. Take that, Dave Filoni. But did anybody else think it was weird that like we literally got a 15-minute min- eh, long episode just documenting her, just getting stunned and yeah. getting back up, and stunned and getting back up? That could cause permanent damage. Exactly. And for her and for it to literally end at a point where it's like, I hope all that training was wasn't for nothing. And we cut to like the finale of the Clone Wars. And it's just like, did 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 you really have to take the two by four to us that hard? Yes. Like again. I just I just want to know why Anakin didn't look directly into the screen when he said that. Like directly down the barrel of the camera. When he said, I, I want you to be prepared for anything because maybe cl- maybe clones will be attacking you at some point. Just stares directly. Also, I don't like the fact that you can deflect a like three foot wide circle with a lightsaber. It doesn't <laughs> deflect them. It just d- dissipates them. Yeah, it's, it deflects I mean, them and shoot them back at somebody. Yeah, it's no good. I don't like it. Uh, noted. Noted in the record. Yeah, the, the hollow halls of Knights of Vader. It has been noted that Chris is against this. They they realized that five franchise. They, they realized that five episodes were too little, and they're like, "What can we string together with one thousand dollars and uh, Ashley Eckstein in the studio for seventeen minutes?" 
I got it. <laughs> well, okay. Speaking of things that don't make sense, what do we think of? We get the flashback that's clearly toward the very beginning of the Clone Wars because they all have Phase One Clone Trooper armor. Yeah, and we see Obi Wan with the mullet. But the short, like, like the 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 more trimmed beard, like clearly it's supposed to be in the immediate aftermath of Attack of the Clones. Yet it can't be because by the events of the Clone Wars, the movie, he Maybe has reckoning the that th- he has the episode three haircut. Maybe they reckoned it. How? Because Dave Filoni didn't have that haircut idea at the time. Well, he did both of these. Like, how do you like the first? Ep- Here's the answer. Here's the answer, guys. Obi-Wan forgot that he met Ahsoka because she's that unmemorable. <laughs> oh, he no. was going to the Jedi Temple and he had to trim it up. He was making an appearance. Oh, wait, it's Anakin, too, who needs to have not met her yet, right? Exactly. Beginning of the freaking movie. And he's and, and it's both of them. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's so weird. They would put that detail in there. She doesn't look right either. Right. Like, she didn't look like that. Like, she looked younger in the Clone Wars movie, no? Well, yeah. This takes place after the movie. Well, that's the thing. It takes place after the movie. It takes place basically between season two and three of the TV series, approximately. Which means Obi-Wan should not have the episode two Attack of the Clones haircut. That is what... That is the thing that I will... As much as I like the Dooku stuff, and the Dooku stuff is great... The fact that they chose a very peculiar haircut for Obi-Wan, something that he's never had on screen before, is and, and it's so contradictory to what it would ever, could ever be. And they could have just used the Season 7 Obi-Wan model. Instead, they made something new so it would not fit. It I Perfect. They, the thing is, they couldn't use the Season 7 model because it's uh, that's like right before Revenge of the Sith. It would have to be something designed like... Like it would have to be like a revised model, probably of like the season two. Okay, but the season seven model would have been less problematic than this. Yes, yeah. They get to sell more action figures now. They're not going to make toys on yeah. any of this. No, you, they will. No, yeah, hundred no. years. We're just now getting Bad Batch figures from uh, for the vintage collection. Joe, they did release a mullet Obi-Wan that is currently on shelves. It is a reissue of a 2013 Attack of the Clones vintage collection Obi-Wan. So if you want your mullet Obi-Wan, you can get him right now. I'm going. It's not going to have Tales of the Jedi on it. It never will. It will. I will will do a friendly bet. All right. (laughs) I will say that within the next two to three years, they will have a Tales of the Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi with a mullet and and the clone trooper armor. Uh, you're absolutely wrong, but any, even, even, <laughs> even in black, even in black series, you won't get it. I will do a friendly bet as well that star Wars visions will be held as one of the greatest things star Wars has ever done in like five years. Yeah. Because when they do the new season, there'll be some that aren't anime and Zach will watch them and finally realize how great they are. There's a lot going on right there. Spe- speaking of toys and tales of the Jedi, Chris, how does it make you feel that the only merchandise we have from tales of the Jedi are two Disney theme park lightsabers. Just two. Or you could be or you could uh get your monocles out and get Tales of the Jedi number one from nineteen ninety-three. Well, well. Oh my god, Chris, you're not gonna let that go, are you? Alright, so ch- so chapter five sucks. Uh <laughs> what do we what do we think about chapter six? Chapter six was fun. Like I have to say that they did. No, pretty- it wasn't. You go sit down. 
Okay. (laughs) Go to your room. Again, it's a rather ho-hum story. Like, oh, like Ahsoka has given up her jetty roots. Like she's working on the farm, (laughs) milking the cows, painting the chicken coop. Not and being a jetty. Not being a jetty. And it's like, well, we got to bring all the bales of hay into town. And we're only going to get a quarter portion for these, even though we got three quarters last season. And so, like, in you dang obviously. Empire. Yes, dang empire. Like, shake your fist to the sky. And so she, like, they come back and you have, like, the really cool Inquisitor jet, like, Inquisitor guy who, like, we've seen all the marketing who looks like off brand, like, General Grievous. He looks like dollar tree version of them and it's like oh okay like this is neat like he has the uh the father and the brother like tied up and it's like you think you're gonna get rewarded you get punished for your insolence and obviously ahsoka shows up and does her thing she did from rebels she's like i'm no jedi it's like the guy's like barking jedi at her and and you do get a pretty cool action sequence that's on par with the obi-wan maul fight from rebels where pretty much like he's like i'm going to tear you limb from limb and like he has his little like helicopter blade lightsaber, which is always fun to see because those are things are maybe the stupidest thing Star Wars has ever done. And they are not going away from it. They are leaning into it. I know. Like we all thought that like putting like a comical wig on Yoda was the stupidest thing you could ever do, but a helicopter blade lightsaber will always be the just trashiest thing you can do with the franchise. And yet Disney's just like, nope, we just keep betting harder and harder on that. Put it in live action. They'll they'll like it this time. For weeks, we lived in fear that there'd be a literal helicopter moment in (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan. You know, it might have improved it. (laughs) Exactly. Just just, just Vader gets it and just that's how he leaves the battle. (laughs) Just just flies off. Now, I have the high ground, Revo. Chris, which is more egregious, helicopter blade lightsaber or a Roken? Which is a more egregious thing for the Star Wars canon? Absolutely Roken. Because in a car- <laughs> because in, because in a cartoon, I don't need to like I, I on some level the visual representation is not canon because they're cartoons. Roken does not know how to fly a starship. <laughs> okay, so throwing it out there real quick. Do I remember much from the Ahsoka book? It exists. The battle's kind of similar in the sense of she, like, owns him with, like, zero to no effort. His character design, though, is drastically different. From a book? Because they also had comics where the sixth brother appeared. Yes. And he was described in the book. So... E.K. Johnson, I think I said in a previous episode, has, like, gone on the record, and she's like, that's not the design that we agreed upon when we were, like, writing the novel. and getting She's a a bit of a troublemaker. I know I that's half of the Lucasfilm like people nowadays. She doesn't like Eclipse. She said cancel Eclipse and uh that's not my hashtag not my sixth brother. <laughs> um he has a robot arm because Vader cut off his arm for the fun of it one time. Uh he has like b- window blinds across his face and yeah. Like I said, off brand General Grievous. He kind of looked like the cop from the 2009 star trek and then the new design actually looks more interesting it's got that big imperial symbol on the cape his mask looks like a knockoff version of the reaper from um overwatch so i mean looks cool for the five seconds he was alive yeah he's clear like where like where was this guy when we were getting like the monsters and in, in obi-wan like <laughs> dead 
<laughs> but it's like this guy's the best inquisitor like in terms of style and delivery and dead and you know he dies in two seconds but like in an ultra in, a, in an awesome voltron moment yeah You're just waiting for that like flashy light and it just whoosh, and then he's cut in half yeah but those guys in obi-wan were dorks man like this guy's way better yeah, because he was one of the first class. He was like the good group, and he got off, so they had to start scraping lower in the barrel. Chris, who's the name of the Inquisitor that you fight in Jedi Fallen Order that's like the dinosaur person? What is her name? Ninth Sister. Ninth Sister? Yeah, sure. She's, I, I'm going to guess that. Yeah. I'm actually going to look it up now after yelling it. She's automatically terrible because A, she's based on a Neil Scanlan alien design from The Force Awakens, and B, her voice is annoying. I will say, okay, so it's the ninth sister, Zanger. Uh, oh my god, I was right. Whoa, a random act. It's not like I put forty some hours into that game and platinum did or whatever. I will say that, like the Inquisitor, because again, oh, for like what five I'm, years? Oh my god, yeah, I know. Game <laughs> only came out five years ago. Uh, I will say that, like, as I'm slowly making my way through the Vader comic series. There are some pretty fantastic moments of like Vader and like the Inquisitors going out on missions that like Palpatine sends them to work on. And anytime it's like the Ninth Sister and Vader, like there's one point like Vader goes into a bar because like he gets a tip that like there's like a Jedi there. Very similar to what happens in Kenobi with, um, oh God, whoever Safty brother it was. And there's a moment like that where like Vader's like, it's getting Vader like, oh God, like year zero. And he's like overwhelmed by like all the bar and like bounty hunter patrons. And he's like, Nine Sister, help me, like on the com link. And she just like turns it off and she's like, huh, weird transmission glitch. Like there's some, she's really passive aggressive. Like that's like, there's the, the Inquisitor is like, like Chris said, they are really dorks. Like they are like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, if, if it weren't for the fact they had glowy like laser swords, like they're almost the equivalent of band geeks in the empire. Like I'd be more afraid of a stormtrooper <laughs> than them at this point. Band geeks. <laughs> they're thoroughly incompetent, especially Reva. But it should be said that like, <laughs> of course they take that jab, but like the inquisitor program kind of dissipates. Like that's one thing I, I don't know. Cause I still have to go through a lot of the comics, but like the inquisitor program more or less just kind of falls apart. Like during the events of rebels, because, like, what, at the season two finale, like, you pretty much wipe out three of them in one one motion. Like, they, they kind of just fall apart, because like, I think they got preoccupied with, you know, a rebel insert. Like, they, it, it was the whole bureaucratic, boring stuff that you guys can't get into, where it was probably like, oh, we're going to reallocate funding from your um, Inquisitor thing, because they haven't found any new Jedi. Didn't the Jedi just kill them? Anyways, we're reallocating those funds to the Death Star. Yeah, let's do that. Zanger, can we please like, like some okay, whoever's listening who knows how to do editing, can we please get a scenario similar to that, but just overdubbed from like Andor, where we have like Admiral Ularin being like, So we're going to lay off the Inquisitor Force because they've had unsuccessful results last quarter. And you just like like I wanna hear that. Like a very, very black and white bureaucrat. Just going over this like anti space wizard program. We we also had three of them die from lightsaber related wounds. Um, 
Not going to look into that. <laughs> imagine if they were like, imagine if their, uh, like their expense report gets read in the, at the ISB and they're basically like, like Saddam Hussein's children. Like they're all just like buying like Ferraris and like gambling <laughs> and like, just like doing drugs. And like, they're, you know, they're, they're just, they, they're, they're not reined in enough expense wise. So like, they I just need to shut it down. 100% have a memory of one of the Thrawn books having a moment where there's a discussion about like all the stuff the empire's up to the black budget projects it's um of course the death star tie defender there's mention of superstar destroyer like vader's idea for superstar destroyers which is like not happening apparently at that time because it's before the death star blows up 14 cartons of death sticks a week for the sixth brother and um <laughs> <laughs> and um thrawn's tie defender like there, there's a whole discussion on what's getting actually like allocated funds and stuff zenner is right of course the emperor's solution to that problem is have everybody compete on top of that have everyone irritated against thrawn too to the point to where if i remember correctly i think it's the same book one of the other um, like commanders engages Thrawn's um, Star Destroyer over some crap with it. What? Yeah, there, there's the whole fight between two Star Destroyers. I have no memory of that. It's I think it's the third book. I, I think it's Treason. There, there's a whole entire moment where like Thrawn is attacked by another Star Destroyer because like the guy goes rogue or something. Sure, that's not Rebels. No, it's one of the. Because in Rebels, one of the ships like jumps out of line and gets bloated up. Hold on, I'm looking it up. Okay. The point being is, I like the idea of Palpatine being like, we have a fixed budget here. Like, as much as, even though we are confiscating the entire galaxy's resources, there's only so much we can eventually spend on. That fits in line with this one scene in Obi Wan where he's like, Vader, it's time to get back to work. That is really funny that Palpatine shows up. It's like enough with this Kenobi. Like that's great. That thing about Vader. Like think about it. the last moment we get in the quote rematch of the century is Palpatine being like enough. <laughs> like like there is something to appreciate about just Ian McDermott in the Disney era of Star Wars. <laughs> like there is something so delightfully goofy about all of it. Who would have thought that he would be easily the best part of that whole like six hours? I I I don't like I, I you would have to assume yes at this point. Like anytime they throw Ian McDermott at anything, you have to assume it's gonna be entertaining, like worst case scenario. So I have a question, just real quick. I, I just the uh, tangentially related to what Zenger was saying about Thrawn. Is there any chance? I know it's slim, but maybe for like, I don't know, season two of Calrissian Endor. Is there any chance that, like, we get to see, like, the ISB, like, I don't even want to call it conference room that we've seen numerous times now throughout the series, and we just see Thrawn show up to it? It'd be great. It's like, Thrawn, because Thrawn did have connections with Admiral Yularen. Yep. Like, from Rebels. So it's like, wouldn't it be great that, like, for, like, I don't know, the season two season finale, series finale of Andor, whatever, because I think they're supposed to be shooting that early next year. Who's to say that, like, it's good by the time they're filming that Ahsoka is going to be almost like about to debut. It was, we all know like Thrawn's supposed to be the Thanos of this upcoming thing that they're planning. 
like who's to say that's not going to be something they kind of just throw in as I don't want to say an Easter egg, but just somebody who clearly was operating in that time period and was amassing a great amount of power. That'd be nice. But then you're asking the filthy casuals to understand that 20 years have then passed and the empire has fallen. Yeah. They, oh, come on. After Book of Boba Fett, the way that thing jumps back and forth and Kenobi, Chris, like, remember, Chris, you remember in the, remember right after The Force Awakens came out and we got like the teaser trailer for Rogue One and all the Star Wars fans were like, how are people supposed to differentiate between Daisy Ridley and Felicity, and what's her name? Felicity Jones. Uh, we need an asteroid like pronto to just end everything. <laughs> exactly. Like, you remember that, right? It's like two British brunettes. The fan base will never be able to differentiate these on Target and Toys R Us store shelves. And yes, I was correct. There is a battle between two Star Destroyers. It's very anticlimactic because Thrawn's able to basically neutralize them because he foresaw all of the battle beforehand in his super ability to outsmart everyone that's around exactly. him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else on uh, episode six of Tales of the Jedi that we want to further delve into? What tales would we want to see next time on Tales of the Jedi? One answer per person. Joe, you go first. I would like to see more Yaddle. <laughs> Good answer. Chris, a non toy related answer. No, 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 no. Zenger, give him a caveat. No legends answers. But how am I supposed to say Star Killer then? I would like I would like to see Luke I would like to see Lucasfilm try anything other than retelling Seventh Samurai again. That's impossible. <laughs> All right, Zach. I think I've answered this already. Like I've said, Tar Vizsla. Like I want to see the first Mandalorian Jedi, especially with all that dark saber nonsense. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, if not that character, I would like to see uh, Cal Calrissian. I'd like to see some. I know, I think there's a book coming out with about him early next year to coincide with the video game. But I'd like to see a Cal Calrissian book, or I'm oh. sorry, uh, Tales of the Jedi. Oh, just sorry, I, I did forget to mention the the Dave Filoni reminding us he's created everything great in Star Wars. Did everyone catch the Car- Carib Dune? Oh, of course. Oh my god, I mean, like, could could you have hit the camera into that poor kid's face a few more times? Was that the Clone Wars Season 7 model? Oh, it has... No, it's the no, Bad Batch model. Okay, same same difference, alright. But he, hey, he, hey, was in a hol- hey. he was in a hologram in Clone Wars. Hey, right? let's just... We should all just be thankful that we didn't get, like, 50-year-old Freddie Prinze Jr. voice again, like the husky <laughs> 7-year-old. I really like the way she... She, she deflected those. <laughs> um okay anyway so i i guess for my answer i'm i'm gonna say i'd like to see a young totally not voiced by um qui-gon jinn actor <laughs> liam neeson with uh obi-wan kenobi yeah yeah there, there we go totally not liam neeson voicing like a young the meeting of kenobi and qui-gon like that would be really cool to see like their early stages and stuff. But you know, there was like back, back in the day, there was like a 20 child, like young reader novel series about that. Oh my gosh. The, the Jedi apprentice series. Yeah. I totally have one where the first, um, 
volume of it is like him floating the lightsaber in front of him, like between his hands like this. I know we're in an audio medium, but yeah, we're reco- yeah. I mean, that, that would totally be cool. Or maybe they could do something now. Did you know that in the, um, in the brotherhood novel, which is just as boring as attack of the clones, the movie is per Zanger <laughs> there. It, there is a reference to Siri Tachi, who was like Obi-Wan's quasi love interest in those books. Man, that guy got around. It's true. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Okay, guys. Anything else about Tales of the Jedi? Or are we ready to wrap this up? I'd like to see Dooku and Yoda. That's in Dooku Jedi Lost. We get that. That's like where I've left off in the book so far. Dooku and Yoda go on a field trip escorting students in that book. Yeah. And Dooku slaughters those students. Don't give it. I'm not up to that part yet. Don't give it away. You know, I can't tell if they're joking. We're not. They're both so sincere, but it sounds so stupid. It's basically Harry Potter. As somebody who's read the first fifth of that book, once again, it reminds me of the Lost Stars novel. Harry, uh, Star Wars's new sweet spot should be basically doing Star Wars like Hogwarts. That is your thing, whether it be the Imperial Academy or it's the Jedi Academy, there is your sweet spot for getting a new generation hooked on Star Wars. Do not Star this, Wars Hogwarts. Not this bullcrap of High Republic crap that oh, no one oh, cares oh, about. Oh, oh, okay. No, no, no. No? Okay, go ahead. All right, I want to say real quick that I was scrolling through Instagram today. This is going to end bad. This is going to end bad. No, yeah, it's bad. Okay, I got to get my phone. So, like, I have to put it in the group chat because it's kind of delightful. I'm glad this is being recorded. Yes, it is being recorded, as it rightfully should be. Is that there? I got like this. Oh, God. I, it must be a hashtag that I'm following. And so I'm going through and I see like, I just, it's like a mother with their daughter, but it's a very like professional shot. And I'm like, like clearly it's like an advertisement for like a book or something. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? And so like I click on it and it's a Star Wars book. And as I go further and further through like the post, I realize that it's for the high Republic. And I'm just like, and like, again, I just put it in the group chat right now. So please look at it in the caption. And like, it's this mother reading her daughter, a high Republic book. And I'm like, a, is this a form of child abuse? And B in what universe is this not staged? Is there anybody under the age of 30 that's picking up a high Republic book of their own volition? It's marketing material. Marketing material. I know it's marketing material, but the point is, is that it's so blatantly staged. And I love that the captions trying to infer that a child just randomly picked up like the 85th book in this series that's only been around for less than two years and was just like, and, and just glommed onto it. Reading one of my favorites to my daughter. I know it's the cheesiest hokey thing ever. It's like picking up like the OG, like, Oh God, like Chris, like picking up that specific copy of the high Republic out of the blue is what the equivalent of reading like, Oh God, I'm trying to think like what's the most obscure star Wars media that requires an insane level of context to understand what's happening. The novelization of attack of the clones. (laughs) I was going to say the truce at Bakura, but that's just as good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but either either way, uh, I actually think I own the novelization of Attack of the Clones somewhere in this godforbidden house. And if I find it, I'm going to beat somebody with it. You guys just gave me a great idea. Hold on. 
This this episode will never end. So it's always promising when someone says you gave me a great idea and then walks out of the frame. <laughs> yes. I, on that note, to to compare mine to Zach's feed, mine has a picture of someone's pelvis, skeleton what? of a pelvis, and then another picture of a pelvis, but with a like slicked back hair, and it says Pel- pelvis Presley. Legends alert, EU alert, EU alert. Yeah, well, I obviously have it as well. And look at that cover with Vader shaking hands. I'll temporarily not fire on your primitive rebel base due to some sort of political reason that children wouldn't be interested in, much like the High Republic. And Zach, I will take a picture of this and send it to you on your Facebook feed of me giving this to my daughter and reading it to her. (laughs) So you can have it to (laughs) If you reply that to that post... My God, that's that's me. <laughs> Joe's gonna die. Stage it the exact same. That's better than a Wookie hairnet. Oh yes, and, and just a and, and just a speech bubble on your kid, just saying, "I know what this is." <laughs> With the, a the, thumbs up. The AI that runs Star Wars is gonna be so confused on what to do next after seeing that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Once they get up in the morning, I'll get both of them. I'll take a picture. Be like, girls, oh, girls, let's take a selfie together. Come on. Joe, you're going to have to deliver on that now, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Do it upside down. Maybe they'll understand it. I, I love how it's such a good idea that there's a dog howling that might or might not be getting picked up yeah. off of just the t- how terrible that idea is i mean great oh man joe frantically wakes up his daughters at like 11 o'clock at night girls girls we have to make up. a meme yes, we have to. <laughs> oh my god i, I don't know what's just funnier the idea of just envisioning this or with whoever what was it chris describing as a caption bubble them saying i know what this is he didn't say i will make it happen <laughs> And, and Joe, you have to tag this person that's clearly abusing their child as well with Star Wars media. <laughs> and in and, and the caption of this promoted post, she literally lists the full title of the book in each of the separate three paragraphs. Yeah. I, th- I think you'd have to acknowledge that. Chris, we can't post. get people confused with the other 84 titles in the High Republic series. Yeah. So when I do my caption, I will do an all new Star Wars <laughs> adventure. Star Wars Truce as Bakura. Oh, my Kathy. God. And oh my this. God. Oh, please God, end this. We're gonna end it, Joe. But Joe, Joe, like that's the funniest thing I've heard of in at least seventy-two hours. So you better actually do that. I um, will. Yeah, I and will. um, and then uh, uh, yeah. So you know, this is amazing. Tales of the Jedi <laughs> didn't suck. I really thought it would. I'm not at all bothered by it, except for the first segment. And Zach's crazy. Andor's like the best thing that's ever happened. Um, still behind. It yeah. is a steak at the Rainforest Cafe, folks. It's fine. It's just not what I go there for. All right. Anything else about Tales of the Jedi or uh, Calrissian Endor? And uh, I'm glad we're finally getting this Snoke uh, prequel series that we are entitled to as fans. I'm glad we're finally seeing how Snoke was created. Well, luckily, um, Andy Serkis actually 
knew where he was when he played this character rather than when he played Snoke. So he's giving a little more effort this time, but I don't think Zanger's seen any of that yet. So, oh, so I, I, I know he's, okay. I, I know he's in it. Well, you know, he's acting and like he cares where he is and what he's saying. So it's way different than. Snoke. Hey, 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 I, it's fair to say that it's a true star Wars trope of having actors in situations where they have no idea what character they're addressing or what they're trying to convey to the audience. If, if you want any reference for that, just go watch uh, Attack of the Clones. Zanger's like anything on Kamino. Christopher <laughs> Lee had no idea what was going on in either of those movies. And he sold it. <laughs> he was a thespian through and through. He sold it every... He stepped up to the plate and made it work every time. What's 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 that you you want you want to direct me on what somebody sounds like when they get stabbed in the back? I know because I did that to Nazis. Yeah, that was Lord yeah. of the Rings, but same difference. I he didn't care. Were you gonna tell him no? Okay, so concludes possibly one of the craziest <laughs> episodes of Knights of Vader ever. Check out the Facebook group. Check us out on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this that we will have that image of Joe Yazzo <laughs> bequeathing, I don't even know what book it is now, to his daughters. Take a screenshot, everybody. Okay. Yes, exactly. Um, please rate, review, subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to us on. I saw that we got two more five-star ratings on Spotify. Thank you to everyone who is rating us there. Like I said, there's a lot of uh, podcasts that have infinitely more viewers than us that have less than th that amount of ratings. So thank you very much. Hopefully more listeners. I mean, viewers would be weird, but whatever. Oh, whatever. Six to one half dozen the other. The consumers of media. There you go. Oh, just be happy we're not charging $8 to listen each episode. Wait, we're not? Thank you to the former Immortal Lansbury for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, you can contact me, Zach, on Twitter at Cinemodities. But when I am not on this podcast and I'm not doing a Cinemodity, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram. And like Zach said earlier, go ahead and follow at KOV podcast on Instagram for spicy Star Wars memes and alerts to new episodes. Joe Yazzo. You could find me on the wheel of convo. We just finished taping our episode on fad or future. Uh, we just released earlier this week. Come give us a listen there. Zanger, what is happening in the, uh, are we finally getting the Zangy circa 2018? Uh, you know what? It any anything could happen in these, in these, in these short, shorter, shortening days of these latter months of 2020. 2-2. 2-2. 2-2. 2-2. 2-2. My my brain shut off. Sorry. Zanger, can I be part of the Wakanda Forever discussion? Oh, oh, mo most definitely. When's that going to happen? I don't know. At some point, we're still. Waiting in anticipation for Black Adam to come to HBO because none of us are willing to go sit in the theater for that. Joe and I saw Black Adam together. That's right. And it was the best thing you ever saw, correct? My, okay, awesome. Anyway. My, fa my favorite part of the movie, Zanger, is when he says, up and at them. Perfect. At them. Then he immediately says, the goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> I, <All> I, right. <laughs> I love how The Simpsons predicted Rainier Wolfcastle to... Not be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but to be The Rock. Anyways, um, end this episode. Alrighty, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, may the Force be with you. Remember Alderaan, down with the Empire.
Oh, can you imagine if Russ was part of this? Just the amount of shenanigans that will have quadrupled. Oh, man. I, I would have loved all the references to how every droid had a name. <laughs>